Welcome to Cockpits and Cocktails, the lively aviation podcast where we talk about all things aviation and aerospace. So grab a cocktail out and talk about some aviation. Well, hello, aviation lovers. It is Natalie Fly Girl Kelly. Welcome to the first episode of season three of Cockpits and Cocktails. I am very excited to be here. This season, we've got some totally new um, people, and we have a new format that we're going to be following, so I'm very excited. It's been a while since we've actually, you know, had a new podcast. For this season, we will have three co-hosts to the podcast, and I'm getting very tongue-tied. And it is myself, Natalie Flagrell Kelly. And we also have Cooper, the pilot from Instagram, and Stephanie on Instagram. I don't know exactly how to say her name because on Instagram, it's like Stephanie, but it has like three or four I's and three or four E's so that you can find her and she can kind of differentiate herself from everyone else. Now... Those two co-hosts are not going to be on this particular episode. This is the uh, premiere of season three, and I kind of wanted to just take some time um, by myself and talk about some things before we transition into a whole new format. I wanted to update everyone on you know what I've been doing. I um, have been flying more recently as a contract corporate pilot. And let me tell you, I have had so many questions and I've worked on a video. I actually made a video about this, but I haven't actually edited it. And anyone that knows about videos or you are a YouTuber or whatever, you know, the editing is, oh, that is the hardest, most time consuming part. I think there's some kind of fact where for every minute of actual video, finished product of the video, you spend like three or four hours. And some people are really good at it, and they the more they do it, the, the faster they get. I just don't do it consistently enough to be fast, and it takes up a whole day or more to make like a four or five minute video. You know, there's a lot of cool information, a lot of great ideas I have to make videos, but it's just the time editing like kills me. It's just, it takes so long. And it's um, one of those things that maybe I'll get better at and can do more of. We've decided on this new season that we will not be video recording, which I am super grateful for right now because I can multitask. And I am doing that right now because I'm wearing a clay mask on my face. So I don't have to worry about anyone seeing me, and I can do this wonderful little beauty treatment on myself. No one really knows until now. So it's kind of like managing my time most efficiently. I love multitasking. I love doing as much as I can within a certain amount of time, and I'm able to do that since we're not going to be videoing. As of yet, I mean, that can change, but we've decided to do just the audio recording because, you know, when you add video, it's just another element of 
time consumption and and I have to edit the podcast myself and the audio and it, it takes time, but it's not like video. It's just not quite as complicated. So all of our lives, all the new co-hosts and myself, our lives are busy and hectic and crazy and I want this to be fun. I don't want it to be stressful for any of us. So we're just going to simplify. Still going to have a lot of great information. It's still going to be a lot of fun. But um, I don't really know how many people were actually watching the videos. I mean, I do know actually from because I was on the channel it, and it tells me. But I don't really see the value in continuing the video part. If you feel differently, please let me know. You can send me a message as always um, through my a website, flygirllc.com. There's a place where you can send a message or you can send me a direct message on Instagram. That's my favorite. I am on all the platforms, but you can find me at flygirlkelly on Instagram. And also we have cockpits dot and dot cocktails on Instagram. So you can always send a message there as well. We have three individuals that will be checking that out periodically and can respond to any message that you send. So I wanted to talk about what I'm doing and how I got here. And this will be very helpful and beneficial to people of all ages and all experience levels. It's just like more education for you to help you determine, you know, what your path in aviation should be or if it's not for you, then at least you have the information and you can pass it on to someone else that might be a better fit for the type of flying that I'm doing now. And I know it's kind of like this mysterious path. There's not a whole lot of information out there about how to get into corporate uh, contract flying or corporate flying or contract flying. You, Everybody can kind of figure out how to get to the airlines and that's kind of like a, you know, a clear cut like path and there is there are things put in place there's a process you go through if that is your ultimate goal to get to the airlines whereas the contract um, or corporate side is a little more um, I don't know vague's the word but it's just it's because it's so unique every person's I think pathway to that type of flying is unique and you know, there's just not a whole lot of information out there. So I want to talk about it. You know, people want to know about it and they ask me questions about it. And I think it's easier to put it all kind of in one place. And that's why I've decided to do this podcast. So all the information is here. I can, you know, tell it in my own kind of way that I tell things in my own voice. And hopefully, you know, you'll get a real sense of, of what it's like, how I got here, if it's a, something for you or not. Pros and cons, I'm going to talk about a little bit. We are going to keep these podcasts under an hour, so it could be less. Uh, it will not be more because I just don't think I could talk for a whole hour. My beverage of choice today, because this is, you know, cockpits and cocktails, is actually Buble Bounce. And this is kind of new for me. It's caffeinated sparkling water. This is citrus cherry. I do like LaCroix and sparkling water. It's just, you know, some people hate it, but I think it's just like, to me, it's just a little bit different than just plain water. And I'm much more likely to drink water if I have like a sparkling water. I like a little bit of flavor. I don't like anything too sweet. And the Buble Bounce has a benefit of caffeine in it. 
And, you know, caffeine, I, I limit it because especially after like three o'clock, I don't drink that much caffeine, if anything, because I don't want to be wide awake at night. And that's kind of what I've learned my my time frame is. If I mean, definitely after four, there's no, no caffeine at all. But I actually gave up. Um, well, I wouldn't say I gave up, but I've limited my coffee during Lent because it is Lent right now. And Coffee is my number one beverage of choice. Iced, hot, whatever. It can have cream. It can have sugar. It can be plain, black, whatever. I don't care. I just love coffee. I love sipping on something warm. And it's like this habit of having a mug in my hand that I love. So because I, I've only limited myself to one cup a day during Lent, which I know that may not be a sacrifice to many, but it is a huge sacrifice to me. I have kind of added this caffeinated sparkling water, and I only have one, if if at all, during the afternoon. It's usually about this time of day, about 2, 2.30, where I need a little bit of um, caffeine, and I find myself, if I don't get caffeine, then I start reaching for things like M&M and, or M&Ms and sugar and suckers and Twizzlers and jelly beans and just something with some sugar to help me like kind of give me a little extra boost. So I feel like this is kind of healthy because it's water um, and it's clear. So you don't really think that you're drinking anything bad. I hope I'm not. If I am, please don't tell me. Let's just let it be. So that's what I'm drinking. Now let's talk about um, my where I'm at. I'm flying. Um, I'm a CFI. I have very few students as a CFI. My main focus now is flying contract corporate pilot jobs. And I am contract because I want to be contract. Basically, I have a child still at home. He's a high schooler. He's a junior. And I don't want to be gone all the time as of yet. I do not need to have um, benefits such as health insurance and things like that are not important to me right now. Um, so I know that that is one reason why some people need to work full time. They need all the benefits. I actually, you know, I'm not young. I'm a little bit older. I'm 49 actually. And so, you know, I saved money and I have been doing that for years and I have the ability to work contract right now and which is what I want to do. And I tell you, it's challenging because I would like to fly more, but I don't want to be away from my son. He's only going to be with me another year and a half or so. So um, I don't want to miss that. I have two older sons that are already gone. And I am, um, you know, I know it's just going to fly by. So I want to be home while he's here. Um, now the contract, one of the things about that that's great is, you know, I can pick and choose which jobs I'm going to fly if someone needs me. Um, I'm, I am type rated as an SIC in Citation 500 Series and 525 Series. Now, the SIC, what that means, and I can go into that as well, is, um, well, I can, I, let, me, let me just like pause there and I'll cover that some more later. Um, so that's one of the benefits, as I was talking before, I can pick and choose how much I fly, uh, who I fly with, where I'm going. I have not had 
Um, well, I wouldn't say I haven't had any overnights. I fly for one client that has a home um, outside of the country, and I do fly with him every six to eight weeks or so, and that requires um, a night or two, kind of at my discretion of being gone. Um, the other thing that I like about it, which is a plus and a con, is that you do get to fly with different people. You don't really fly with the same people and over and over again, and I enjoy that. I enjoy uh, flying with different airplanes. You know, there. I mean, I fly. I can only fly in this, these particular citations, but each airplane is different. Some, you know, have round gauges. Uh, some have just decked out brand new glass cockpit. So I get a little bit of variety with the airplane, but it's not like so foreign each time I get into it. It is basically still the same airplane. Um, and the other thing is I'm not, you know, contracted at all to fly with a certain company for a certain period of time. That is another thing that I like about it right now at this point in my life. Um, some of the cons would be that you really don't know, you know, when you're going to fly. And so there can be large gaps in the, you know, when your next flight's going to be. And you don't know who you're going to fly with. Some people are great pilots and some people aren't so great. You don't know exactly what's going to be expected of you on each flight. So that's a little bit, um, I don't know if unnerving is the word, but you know, each flight is different and yet different personalities and you don't always know, you know, what it's going to be like because this is part 91 that I'm flying. So there aren't a whole lot of like standardization and um, what do they call it? SOP, standard operating procedures that you are using every time you fly. It, it varies from pilot to pilot, from plane to plane. The other thing would be no benefits. Obviously, that's huge for many people. Um, and I guess, you know, one of the, another con would be that there is this lack of consistency. If you have a large gap when you are flying, you know, let's say it's been two weeks, uh, you're not, you don't have the ability to be consistent and practice repetitively, you know, things like copying down clearances or you're talking to ATC or, entering flight plans and changing flight, things like that, that for me, I get better with the more I do them. I would say that's the same for many people. And when you have large gaps, you know, you kind of, it's just like flight training. You know, you say don't have large gaps because then you have to kind of go back and relearn things. And for as far as money and being efficient, it's best to be very con consistent and keep your lessons, you know, two or three a week or something like that. And it's similar flying jets as well. Consistency helps you build upon your skills and get better and better and faster and faster. The other thing um, that I think is a con would be the, the PIC of the plane. Their expectations varies uh, pretty drastically with each person you fly with. Sometimes some PICs want you to do you know, get all the clearances, talk to air traffic control, uh, you're in charge of the avionics, you're doing all these call-outs, they want you to do a whole lot of stuff. They just want to fly the airplane. And some people don't really want you to do much at all. 
They're just like, well, every once in a while, if you could do this or this. So that is very different each flight, you know, with each person. You don't really know what they're going to want you to do. And, and getting those expectations kind of set up early on is, is important. Um, the other thing would probably be that that would be a con would be it's slow at first to really get your name out there. And so much of it in corporate or business aviation is all word of mouth. And being able to get your name out there in front of companies that, you know, convenient to, to your home so that you can get more jobs. And it's like a slow kind of process to have plenty of people that know you and can call you and, and fly with you kind of building up that, what I would say, book a business kind of thing, I think was, is a good term. Then you get all these contacts and it just takes a little while for your name to get out there that you're available and uh, that you are, you know, um, a good pilot or someone that they're going to call because they had their people probably that they call and unless something happens to them, then they're not really looking for someone new. So Getting, the, getting the, the word out there that you're available is probably one of the challenges as well. But how did I get here? Well, I got to this point because I was, you know, I don't know if many of you know that I started flying about six years ago at the age of 44. So this is a new chapter, second career, I would say. I was a stay-at-home mom and didn't really have a desire to go to the airlines. Now, I'll never say never because things change. It may be something I want to do someday. I have no idea. I mean, there are times it sounds like pretty cool, new challenge and adventure, and sometimes it, it doesn't sound that appealing to me. But I kind of thought that the contract or at least the corporate pilot life I would really enjoy, and I do still think that, and that's probably the direction I'll head when my son goes off to college and leaves me all alone. <laughs> then I think I would like to do full-time because I do want to build up more, more time, and I want to eventually be PIC, and I want to fly other airplanes. So it's all about building time and seniority and... Um, all that. So I, I definitely think I want to do that here in the next couple of years. However, getting here, I mean, it's working for me right now based on some of the things I've already discussed, but I had a lot of um, friends and connections just from my husband and some of the people around us that were already involved in managing um you know, it's like aviation management. They were managing fractionally owned jets, and I had actually flown with them a few times um, and enjoyed that type of job, and it was very appealing to me because the small scale of it was appealing, the family kind of atmosphere where you get to know all the pilots there It's a small if it's a small operation. And I'd say many Part 91 operations are, although there are some pretty big ones that that are also Part 91. I think Plain Sense is 91, and that's pretty big. Um, but, you know, they're small. You, you kind of know all the pilots. You get to know all the clients. That has always been appealing to me. 
So I kept in contact throughout my training. As soon as I began, I kept in, in contact with a couple of the, the uh, acquaintances, guys that happened to be men, managing these jets and would just periodically touch base with them, you know, as I'm building hours and finding out what the market looked like, what, what are you looking for, what kind of planes are you flying these days, what's kind of in the future. And as I approached about a thousand hours, I reached out to someone and he had suggested that I get my SIC type rating. I didn't really know there was such a thing. I thought you just went to, you know, PIC. And I didn't really understand that you can also go get your own type rating. I always assumed you need to be hired by someone and you sign a contract, two-year contract or something, and they send you off. But that was appealing. He, you know, he educated me and said, no, you can actually go get your own SIC. And I would recommend getting the SIC because you are not going to fly PIC right now. It is insurance-driven that you cannot just automatically become PIC until you build some time as SIC. So getting a PIC type rating is way more expensive, like probably three times, two or three times as much than getting the SIC type rating, and you will not be flying PIC. So it's, to me, and for what he was explaining, pay less, get your SIC, build time, Perhaps you will get on with a company that will pay for your PIC at that point. Perhaps you want to go pay for your own PIC at that point. But get some experience in the right, right seat and figure out what you want to do after you get some experience there. And then you can decide which, which route you're going to go. So it is an option. You can actually go places and pay for your own PIC or SIC type rating. That is what I did. I invested in myself. You know, a lot of people, aviation is all about paying money and lots of training and ratings and things like that. And it does, or it can cost a lot. I'll say that. So after some time considering, I decided it was worth it to me to invest in myself to go get my SIC typewriting. And he immediately had some jobs for me when I, once I got that. And then my name got passed on to someone else, and I started flying with them as well. And then it got passed on to someone else, and I could fly with them as well. So, you know, it just started happening. Jobs started happening. I was flying SIC, and I'm definitely more comfortable. It would have been, I mean, it was overwhelming, the SIC type rating, but it would have been really, 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 really challenging to go from, you know, flying a Cessna 172 as a CFI right into a type rating. It's a lot of information, and I feel like I can kind of slowly learn it now and become more and more comfortable with the systems and how things work and, you know, just flying the plane versus everything else you need to know to get that type rating. I definitely feel more equipped now, and it's been, I got it in September, so I don't know, nine months or so. Um, and I've got less than 100 hours. I have about 60 hours just flying SIC. So it is an option, you know, that, that you can do. Go pay for your own type rating if, number one, you don't want to be contracted and obligated to one company. 
because if you are, you know, they hire you, then you will probably sign a contract, but they will pay for your training. Um, it is also good if you just want to be a contract pilot for a little while and you're not ready to be full-time, you know, because of things like kids at home or you have another job and this is a kind of a, a side thing that you're starting to pick up before you get ready to retire or whatever your long-term plan is. This is an option and, you know, for people my age going back to school, like I already have a degree, going back to school and starting all over again, that's something that my degree is not in aviation, it's in business. That's something that is not appealing to me. It's just something I'm just not going to do. So there's just another route that you can go to, to be in aviation. And if you're listening and you're you know a young college student and you're in an aviation program, that's great. I mean, you know you want to do that, and that's wonderful. You, you may run into someone that needs a different option that's maybe older or, you know, changing careers or something. They already have a degree in something else. This is another route they can take if they want to get into a jet. Or something like a King Air. I mean, those are awesome airplanes, too. But they want to fly more, and they want to fly people, but they don't necessarily want to do airlines just yet. So that is um, kind of, you know, that's kind of it. That's where I got to where I'm at and what I've got laid out kind of ahead of me. I'm currently studying for the ATP-CTP written exam. I'm a little over a 1,000 hours, and I've decided to complete the ATP CTP course. I'm going in less than two weeks for that. And I've decided to go ahead and start studying for the written and try to get that done because I have found that a lot of people, you know, I get, you can sign up for emails with companies like MBAA or BizJet Jobs, I think is what it's called. And they'll send you emails when people are looking for contract pilots. It looks really good to go ahead and have your ATP written and your ATP course done. And it costs money as well, of course. Um, so if you're willing to do that, then that could probably potentially open up a lot more doors for you to, to fly. That's all I have for today. I feel like I wanted to just catch everybody up, and I feel awful because I haven't made a video about it and you know people have had questions about it or they may be curious about corporate flying or what all these different paths can be to to get to where you want to go you know without doing the airline route and as I said I don't know if I'll ever do the airlines I'm not sure right now I'm happy with this path that I'm on I'm not anti-airline or anything but this will hopefully give you a little bit of a picture now if you absolutely need to have benefits and you're younger but you want to be in corporate aviation then you can still do the same thing you can pay for these things yourself and it's just going to make you probably stand out more with companies that are hiring full-time pilots if you already have these things if you already have an SIC you're picking up contract jobs and you're building hours in the jet so that, that looks good. If you, you know, have shown that you're willing to invest in yourself, if you're showing that you're spending your own money to get these type ratings, that looks good. If you're spending your own time and money to get your ATP written done 
or your ATP, CTP course done, then that looks good. It shows that you're really dedicated to becoming a better pilot and to getting all this education yourself. And you are willing to invest in yourself and that you are all into this. That's all I have. Um, I am looking forward to all these cool episodes we're going to have this season with Stephanie and Cooper the Pilot. I hope you'll tune in and please tell your friends and fellow aviation lovers to tune in and to subscribe to Cockpits and Cocktails. We are on all the podcast um, providers, you know, Apple, Spotify, Google. I don't know what the Google one's called, but we're on all of them. And we're always looking for new people to have on the show and new ideas and open to any comments, questions, thoughts that you have. You can send those to the Instagram page for Cockpits and Cocktails. That is cockpits.and.cocktails. Until next time, cheers.